Welcome to Theology in the Dirt, where we try to practice our theology at home and in the public square of our city and our world. Your hosts are Keith Thompson and Mitchell Jolly. Theology in the Dirt is produced by Chris Hayes, and the artwork is by Kayla Sanner. So, Keith. Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Well, man, we are uh, finished with nominal Christianity, and now we're going to talk about for a few weeks toward the end of this is our the, really the last few weeks of our season and we'll be starting season two in january so we'll take a little time off but we're going to talk about for the next few weeks our political climate politics civics as christians but before we do that man did you see the braves game did i see the braves game yes i saw every single pitch yes that was awesome wasn't it unbelievable man it started out with a bang yep and then it closed with a bigger bang. It did. I, I kept thinking the whole time it was reminding me of the uh, Pirates Braves. Which NLCS was it where Sid Bream singles and Eddie Perez scores from right. second? And it's it's the it's the throw from uh, was it Barry Bonds? It was Barry Bonds. It was remember. Barry Bonds because he had a rag arm. Such a good <laughs> hit, but he did not have a cannon yeah. for an arm. And he throws in there, and uh, the catcher. Spanky. His nickname was Spanky. He was a big dude. You remember? Yeah. And uh, what's his real name? His real name. And he catches it and turns around, tries to tag Sid Bream, and he's safe. And Skip Carey goes nuts. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, yeah, that was one of the yeah. one of the greats. That one. That the the calling of that score at the end of that game will go down in you know it broadcast will. in history. Absolutely. That's what I kept thinking because it was one to one. Yeah. And I'm going. Please don't be this stressful. This game. All the way. But I could not get over. It's like everybody who stood on the mound threw the ball 100 miles an hour. Both sides. It was crazy how fast and hard those guys were throwing the ball. Insane. Because I just remember the days when Greg Maddox had an 84, 85-mile-an-hour moving fastball, and he just painted corners and got people out. 90, 95-pitch complete games. And, you know, these guys throwing 100. It's crazy. And it's like everybody who got on the mound. I mean, it seemed like every time somebody stepped in there, they were throwing 96 miles an hour. Could not. And did you hear it? They, um, uh, it was Joe Buck or one of those guys that was calling the game last night had specifically said that Freeman is one of the best hitters of a fastball in the league, and uh, gave the percentage. It was a five hundred percent. It was like it was batting five hundred with home runs at in some form or another. Just a crazy stat, right? Right. Steps up there and takes it out of the park. Right off the bat. That was sweet. That gave me a sense of relief. Okay, this might go our way. (laughs) It didn't last long. No, that's right. It didn't. It didn't. But it was fun. So at least tonight, I won't have to be up until 1130. I think uh, first pitch is, what, 605, 608, something like that. So at least I go to bed on time. That'll be nice. Yeah, get to watch. uh, (laughs) See if uh, Kershaw can can hurt us. He, He likely will, but we'll see. That's right. That's right. So... Sports, we love sports, yep. but um, today we're going to talk about the ultimate contact sport a little bit, <laughs> at least introduce it, and that is some civics, politics, and our current climate. But how we want to introduce this is uh, you and I both have shared, um, we are nervous uh, to have these discussions, not with each other, but I think publicly with certain uh, parameters. Um, so we want to talk about the nervousness. Right. So that's our aim today. And so we we have not coordinated what we wrote down. Our aim was to talk about our reasons. We said three, three reasons why this makes us nervous. Mm-hmm. And so how about this? How about you share? Uh, we'll do one at a time. 
kind of explain, let you go first, and we'll just, you do one, I'll do one, back and forth until we get through all of them and just see where the discussion takes us. How about that? Yeah, that's good. Awesome. Well, I've got, at typical form, I've got four since you said three. <laughs> and I'm, I'm having a hard time um, prioritizing them. But I'll go ahead probably and throw out there, um, it's not the one necessarily I want to talk about first, but I'm going to put it out there. I think it's for me, it, and it's hard to, you know, am I answering this question for me or am I answering this question for what I experience around me and, and other people in my life? Like, why, why am I nervous about having this conversation or why do I think? I think there's a lot of different reasons. Um, for me, I think if I had to go, what's the number one reasons I'm nervous to have the conversation? It's because the, uh, for an anxiety around being caricatured. Yes. So there's a there's a sense in which if I go, well, I'm here on this issue. Like if we're going to have this conversation, I've got to tell you how I really feel. And this is where I am. I'm afraid that immediately I'm going to be painted as that guy. Right. Before I can even give, you know, deal with all the nuances that come along with any position on anything, right. whether it's why I like um, black raspberry chocolate uh, ice cream from Graders. Right. Or you know, an issue on why I feel the way I do about marriage or religious liberty or whatever. Black chocolate raspberry ice cream, by the way. I'm totally distracted now because I, Dude, I want Grater's some ice cream. I've, I met it. I was introduced to it in Louisville. Uh, but you can get it at Kroger. Really? Grater's? Yes. G-R-A-T-E-R-S. It's a family sort of. They've been around forever, but... I'll be stopping by Kroger. Cause Black that, raspberry chocolate chip. You said that, and I didn't hear anything else. Sorry. That. <laughs> That's right. And I, I'm here to tell you, uh, not not that I'm biased or passionate, but it's the best ice cream on the planet. I, I, will, be, uh, I will be taking you up. That sounds awesome. Okay, <laughs> maybe, sorry. maybe Graders will sponsor us. Now. Maybe they yeah. will. Graders, if you're listening, yeah. please. Okay, so, uh, so the... the I guess uh, nervousness about being caricatured. Yeah, so You're placed I, in some kind of camp. Right. It's yeah. it. It just happens. Um, oh, he's a guy who's in favor of that, which means he must be in favor now then of ten other things. Right. 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 Not, not necessarily. Right. Or even like, oh, he believes that. I know why he believes that is because he's X, Y, or Z. No, you right. got you got to hear me out. Right. And in a world where it, we don't often get a chance to explain ourselves. Right. If you can't, if you can't knock it out in what is it? I don't even know how. What's a, tw- a tweet? A hundred and something words or yeah, less. Yeah, it's two hundred and eighty characters. Two hundred and eighty yeah. characters or less. Then it's not even worth getting into. And right. I'm, I, I don't do Facebook, so it's like I, you just don't get an opportunity. You feel like somebody just said something to me. Am I going to respond? Well, I don't have time. Right. There's no way I can sort of get into this. Because there's way more to it than a 30-second conversation. Yes. Yeah, that, that's that's good. Okay, so I, I want to throw my first one out there because I think they're almost exactly the same. Okay. I said, I don't fit neatly into any political party. Mm. And I there's a component of if I say this or if I believe this, then I'm going to be pigeonholed as this. And and here's the not, here's the crazy thing, Keith. I think uh, the nervousness exists there because um, number one, I don't want to fit in any of those. I, right. You no no need to. Yeah, right. There's no need to fit into that. I think that that contributes to part of the mm-hmm. problem is there's this forcing shoehorning me into one of two ways, which yeah. feels like control and and whether I it's an internal component, I don't want to be controlled, which that's probably some of it. I got some wiring that's not healthy. 
that right, I sure. like to be in control and I don't want to be controlled. Mm. But there's a part of that, this human autonomy that does not want to be controlled. So I feel like if I stayed a clear position, somebody's going to pigeonhole me as, oh, that's just a left. You're leftist. Mm-hmm. You're a Marxist or you're, you're just a Democrat. Or if I say this, well, you're just a Republican. I'm going, ah, not really. Yeah. So I, I don't fit into a party. Yeah. And, and, and I would say and historically, even for my family, with connections back to Cherokee, I'm so far down the line, like I don't count. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so mudded right. up. Like it, it, I, don't, I don't even get a whatever percentage. Mm-hmm. But we've got a clear line back to, to Chief John Jolly. And so we, we have a long history of, of not trusting our government. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of come from this. I don't want to be in any party because I don't trust any of them. Right. I still have a chunk of land with my name on it in the Hiawassee River that I'll never get back because it was taken from my people. Mm-hmm. And so I come at it going, I don't like any of them, don't trust any of them. And so if I state this position, you're going to put me in some category. And yeah. then you're probably not going to, and because of what we do professionally and ministerially, you almost can't afford to do it because then you get marginalized. Right. And so, and, and I'm not in it for, for a side. Yeah. I have a greater, I feel like I have a greater higher call mm-hmm. on my life than a party. Yeah. And we don't get to, as a believer, we don't get to say, well, I don't care what they think about me. Right. right. Like, yeah. If you, if you're afraid of being caricatured, then you're just weak. Right. No, the, the Bible is clear about yeah. the nature of a good name or a good reputation. That's right. Uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes say a good name is better than riches. That's uh, right. It's better than good, you know, medicine. Yeah. Um, Peter says that you ought to behave in such a way that they know you in a way they can't even say evil things about you. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then Jesus himself says, look, you let your light shine before others so that when they see you, it speaks to who the Father is and it glorifies the Father. So we can't, like, I, I can't completely control what my reputation is. That's in a fallen world, you can't do that. But I also can't just completely disregard it and say, now I'm going to tell you what I think. Right. I don't care what you think about me. Right. We don't get to do that. And and unfortunately, some of the issues, they really do need to be discussed. But you, gosh, there's this tension. Can you, can you discuss it without this guy getting or yeah. this lady getting the wrong idea of right. who I am and then getting the wrong idea of who I say Jesus is? That's because right. that's the whole point. I want to be caricatured as a guy who lifts up the, the name of Christ. Yes. And the name of Christ in a way that's that's consistent with who he really is. Yes, absolutely. So. Well, I, I, the passage for me in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, the qualifications for an overseer, and I happen to be mm. an overseer, is he must be thought well of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Right. So there, and, and outsiders, meaning... Everybody, right? Not just those inside, but outsiders, mm-hmm. meaning what I say in public needs to reflect in such a manner that nobody has any reason to accuse me right. of anything false. And so I, I try to contrast that with Facebook video rants people post and, and they're ministry people and they're partisan for one or the other. Mm-hmm. And, and I see them on both sides. Yeah. And I cringe every time I see it because I go, you just had eight minutes for the world to hear from you. And that's the best we have to offer mm. is this temporal solution. And I think because of the comments, I see people on the other side throwing rocks at the agenda and missing the fact that 
you were a representative of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Yeah. And you absolutely told the world nothing that will save them. Mm. And that, that I, so yeah, I, I fear not being thought of well because it's a qualification for my role. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean um, everybody agreeing with my position. Right. Oh, sure. Right. So, I mean, that's clearly, I mean, that's already the case yeah. for, for, for me, for you. Right. So, but to be thought well of in the sense of, man, I don't agree with him, but geez, at least he said it in a manner that that makes me not hate him. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a yeah, this this kind of gets into some of the other reasons that you're anxious about about um, yeah. sort of segue for me. Um to the next point for me would be um it's such a politically charged and amped up sort of an environment right now. Right. It's like it, it's hard to you know, if, if I went into a um, an ice cream convention or whatever, where people go and sit around and they're passionate about their ice cream, right? Right. I'd be I'd be nervous about talking about the one I like the best because it's like, <laughs> look, it ain't worth it to me. I'm not gonna. If you're gonna get all fired up about this, strawberry's fine, you right. know. Right. But that's not the way it is right now. It's like everything. Um, it feels like there's such a high level of, uh, you know, the resting potential is just there waiting to happen. Yeah. So, um, and then these figures that are in the that are in the news um, are are making it worse because right. they're you know, it's 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 like bizarro, over the top. Right. thoughts about these things so that it's hard to even right. bring it back down to a level where you can have a reasonable conversation about it. Right. Okay. So uh, th- th- I want to, I want to trail on rabbit trail, chase a squirrel on something th- that you just said. Why are we so polarized and, and passionate about our polarization? Cause I, I start thinking in contrast, you've worked in Africa, you've lived and worked yeah. in Africa. I've visited and worked short term in places around the world, including Africa, and I'm always shocked at the lack, what I would call lack of initiative to take responsibility mm-hmm. for oneself in some places. Right. I've seen problems and tried to help alleviate problems where, I mean, in my in my mind, I can think of a handful of supplies from a Home Depot and I can fix a water problem. Mm. And and when I and, and just even trying to suggest any kind of indigenous, like you don't want to bring in something that can't be fixed, right, or maintained right. on site, but just some on site solutions. And the response is, ah, oh, you Americans, you always think you can fix everything. Always I'm, trying to fix something. Yeah, you're always trying to fix something. I'm going, but you can't drink water. <laughs> and there's a solution three quarters of a mile right there. This is fixable. Yeah. And so you get contrast that with finger pointing and. There's this crazy passion for what is that? Why is it so polarized? Do you think that and then we find ourselves in this middle place of not wanting to be there? Yeah. So you're 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 like saying, why is it like that here in America? Yeah, um, and not there other places like yeah. where maybe it ought to be. Yeah, and we have nothing really to be really fight. I mean, we have some things that are worth fighting over. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but your kids having water. And being able to completely transform the physical existence of millions of people, mm-hmm. three quarters of a mile that way, yeah, like that that's worth you know getting in a little finger pointing yeah. over, right? So I think for us, we we've grown up in a world where our voice does matter, right? Like we we haven't been well, I guess people would argue with that, but we we've always had the opportunity to vote, um, right. at least for the last you know um, seventy five years, everybody in the country has had the opportunity to vote. Um, and so we just sort of take it as like, look, 
I can, we can do something about this. Um, there are, especially now, um, even as I talk, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing people like contradict, contradict what I'm trying to say. But I think for us, the, 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 uh, the issues are in our face. Right. The issues are immediate. Like what, what the decisions that I make in the next, particularly now because of an election year, the decisions that I make will have consequences like immediately. Right. That hasn't always been true for me as an, as an adult here. I, I, there are times I feel like, well, I'll vote one way or the other. And I honestly, I don't know that it's going to make a major difference. Right. There are things at stake now that um, if, if this person gets elected, there's an entire boulder that's going to get kicked over the hill, right? However, if this person gets elected, a completely different boulder with completely different results are going to get kicked over the hill. And so I think that's one of the reasons it's so politically charged here is because the consequences really are pretty dang significant. And they're, they're significant in a way in which people view it differently. Right. Like it's hard to even get to. Um, so two, two of my answers, Mitch, are, I'll just throw them out there to you. One is that, which is probably, it's near the top for me. I really do believe that the consequences of this election are monumental. I think they're real, and I think they're fairly immediate. We know certain things are going to begin happening in the Supreme Court right away, right? We know that certain things are going to be happening with how we deal with health care, like right away. These things, and so the consequences will be real, and they're, they're going to be immediate. And at the same time, we're, we, we cannot get reliable information. Right. It's like right. everywhere. Right. And listen, man, you and I both have done master's level study. We understand primary sources. Right. You never take a guy's word. Right. You always go to the bottom of the page. You look at the article and right. you read the article. Right. That's what I do. Right. Not every time, but I understand how you can be misled. Right. Even when you're going at it at that level. Right. It's difficult to get to the truth. Right. You got I've got political ads coming at me and I know both sides are just lying. Right. Through their teeth. Right. Last night, I had a conversation with my daughter. She goes, I don't like him. I said, why don't you like him? She goes, well, because he, the TV said that he does this and this and this. And I'm like, are you sure that he does? No. Right. It's like, right. well, baby, <laughs> you, you can't decide if you like a guy based on what the television says. Right. Right. And it just takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. I, I think... Um, that, that's a good segue for my second one, okay. because and I want to stay there for a mm-hmm. second um, because I am so I, I'm not where I need to be, but I'm so far down the line of being ruined with my worldview. Like I can't not see the world through the lens of the meta narrative of the gospel. Right. Like I can't, I, I can't. Like I, I'm no longer. I have been so. Um, ruined by the gospel that my lens are only through the eyes of God as best they can be. And that needs to grow deeper because oh, sure. there are places I'm blind to, to how God sees things. But because of that, and because of what you just said, how we try to go to primary sources, what I have found and even searching my primary sources, like you just said, is they are completely, many of them untrustworthy. Because the narrative, even the historical narrative, is always written by the winner. And that isn't always 
reflective of the entire truth. Mm-hmm. Now, this is going to be completely inflammatory to some people. Okay, <laughs> right, but but when but when you study the Civil War, United States of America, it's easy to paint the federal side. Uh, as the right side without any nuance. Mm. Now that's that's controversial because it sounds like I'm pro pro slavery. I'm not. Like yeah. the South was wrong. They were right. wrong, 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 wrong. But there's a tendency to just see North anti-slavery, South pro-slavery, mm-hmm. and that's not true. It is not true because not everybody in the South was pro-slavery. Many of them were sharecroppers. And they were conscripted in a British system of having to fight for people who were landowners. Mm. Most of them didn't have slaves. They were sharecroppers, and they were forced to fight. And there were significant people who defected from it because they didn't believe in it. They didn't have slaves, didn't believe in slavery. (laughs) They were just made to fight. Mm -hmm. And then you had the Lees and the Stonewall Jacksons who had this crazy nuanced belief in the providence and sovereignty of God and this defensive war strategy that we did not believe in total warfare. We need to save civilian lives which led to great victories and massive defeats. Mm-hmm. My point is it's not clean. Yeah, There's no clean line right down. It's a jagged line issue. and But then you have the, the Shermans who come off as he didn't care about slavery. He cared about the Union. Mm. So he had a total war strategy, which is why where we live, we still hate him. Because mm-hmm. he burned his way to the ocean, killing, pillaging, stealing, doing whatever to preserve the Union, despite what it cost in human life. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So here's my point. Um, I can't not see it from God's perspective because I go to those primary sources and go, that's not true. Mm-hmm. So you want to write Grant off as this massive pro-loving, people-loving person? That's untrue. It's not true. Lee isn't a racist. They were both wrong in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But they lived in the middle of a very complicated time in history, and they were caught up in the middle of this thing that was destroying their country. And from Lee's perspective, his country was Virginia, Mm. right? And so you start understanding his understanding of his country, and you start seeing why he can make some of the, I think, foolish decisions he made. But at the same time, Grant's concept of his country was, no, there is no sovereignty of the states. The federal government sits, and I think he had some flaws. Mm. So here's my point. When I look at all those, I don't trust any of the primary sources because even the history has been conscripted by the winner. Right. So the winning narrative wins. And so and so so what I've always tried to do is look at it from God's perspective. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, Keith, it leaves me as a political pol- politically homeless yeah. person. And I find problems with everybody. <laughs> right? Yeah. And 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 so and so my concern for how God sees me and my fear of standing before him on the last day, I have a, I think my nervousness is there. Yeah. Is not is that I will have to stand before Christ, not for judgment for my salvation. He's taking care of that on sure. the cross. But for I'll have to Jesus said, for every careless word I spoke, for every careless vote I cast. For every position I took, I have to give an account because I bear his name. Right. And I, I legitimately fear that. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm with you on that, man. It's and it, I have written in my notes both the word pigeonhole, which you've already used, and I have the word nuanced written also because that's a very important part of this whole thing. Right. When you say to me, Thompson, what do you believe about this? I'm gonna give you an answer, but there's 
there's always a spectrum. Our, our belief is always a spectrum from one side to some some crazy person who believes something on this end right. to the crazy person who believes something on the extreme opposite end. We're going to live somewhere on that spectrum on every area of life. Right. And I, I can't I can't point to you with words exactly where I am. And so, especially in the area of history, it's like, why do you believe that? Well, because I think these things are true, right. which takes me back to what, what philosophers would call a basic belief. Right? right? A basic belief is a belief that you have that really doesn't require another belief to hold it up. It's, it's foundational. That's right. There was a time in, in our, on the planet where if you said, well, because, because I believe there's a God. Right. Well, you wouldn't have had to explain that. Right. Everybody would have said, well, of course there's a God. Right. So you could start there. That's right. We live in a world right now where there are very few commonly widely held basic beliefs where I can know that you, even though we haven't spent much time together, when when we discuss this issue, I can begin here. Because for both of us, that's a basic belief. We presuppose that to be a fact. Exactly. Yeah. It's our presuppositional sort of starting point is the same. Mm -hmm. It's all over the board right now in our world. And there's a reason it's like that. That's right. Something was lost two, three, four hundred years ago that when it was lost, it brought us to a place where people go, man, there's there's really nothing that's a basic belief because you, right. nothing is just true. Yeah, that's right. And so in a world like that, I know that as I enter into this conversation with this person who may or may not disagree with me, it can feel like we're not ever going to get anywhere. That's right. Because we, I, it's likely, especially as a conservative Christian, I see the world completely different than this person does. And, um, and it, to me, it's always a conversation. Like if I'm having a political conversation with someone, I don't even like that term because for me, it's a worldview conversation. Right. It's not really even a political conversation. It's a worldview conversation because all these conversations are about how you and I are going to choose to live together. Right. Because how we do that the structures we set up is going to either lead to human flourishing or it's going to lead to chaos. Right. Right. So, and it's all missional. Yeah. It's all going to point back to the glorious God of order and creation. Right. And so it, whether or not you agree with me politically is going to have an impact on whether or not I feel like I've done God justice in this conversation. Absolutely. That's right. And, 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 and even more nuanced in, in that is, even among us who would call ourselves Christians, we can't presuppose an orthodox view of God. Yeah. It's just the name Christian, so you assume they're, they're trying to be like us and coming at the entire view of history through the meta-narrative of God's eyes. And you can't assume that. Mm-mm. So, I mean, we, I mean, we go back to the Enlightenment and talk about the whole what happens when you back philosophically God out of public life. Yeah. Then you get to this, well, we, there is no place to land. Mm-hmm. So you just have to ask until you find that, okay, when we land here, at least I know where you're starting from. Yeah. And, and that that's a work even in and of itself. So you got all these perspectives coming and speaking mm-hmm. to an issue. And, and, then, and then that just... Man, it gets complicated. Yeah. Because we, I mean, we could even talk pro-life. You know, it's one of those examples. Like we would, we're, we're pro-life people. Mm-hmm. I'm unashamed to say I'm mm-hmm. pro-life. But in the pro-life camp, as crazy as people think I am sometimes, and call me a leftist, like I'm crazy. I laugh at that because I go, "You have no clue. 
how right I am when it comes. And I don't mean like correct. I mean right wing. I'm way to the right on this issue, even more than some Christians, because some of them just want to make it about abortion. And I want to just stir in the pot. I want to talk about IVF. Mm I want to talk about frozen embryos, the creation of human life, and what happens if they stay frozen. Metaphysically, I I don't know. Should I be playing that game? Mm. What happens when we destroy them? That's no different than the abortion clinic down the road. But yet we did it in the name of trying to be a mom or dad. And I'm going, hmm, that's not pro-life. That's pro-death, right? I mean, and and so so what about immigrants? What about people who who can't eat? That's pro-life because life is about physical sustenance. And so, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm robustly pro-life. And I think some people just make it about Roe v. Wade. It is about Roe v. Wade, but it's about a lot more. Because I'm coming from the meta narrative of the Bible, said so God's the author of life. Mm-hmm. He cares about it, all of it, yeah. and and so that gets nuanced. And so yeah. even inside our camp, people will just—I guarantee you—people who hear this, I'm going to get some hate mail. <laughs> I'm going to get a hate email from this one to that. How dare you say, blah blah blah? Yeah. And yeah. so it it is tricky. And when you start, if you put in the time to carry your your sort of um, your positions out to their logical end. It, get, it can get hairy. And yeah. then with the abortion debate, yeah, you're, you're right. When it comes to if life begins at conception and we've conceived 20 embryos in hopes that we can get two or three of them fertilized. What happens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens when you do? Yeah, right? that's right. Cause, because here's the truth. Okay, I, well, I don't want to go. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because we have to deal with infants and babies mm-hmm. and eternal mm-hmm. and, and, and God's, and I'm, I just flat out say, I think God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Um, and, and he knows all of history before yeah. it ever happens. He's ordained and decreed, right? The beginning from the end. And I, I think I can make not from a chapter and verse argument because it's not their chapter yeah. and verse. Which is not the case most of the time. Which is not the case most of the time, right? It starts with my understanding of who God is, right? So it starts with this basic understanding mm-hmm. of who God is revealed in Scripture. And I think I can make a case that God is willing and will take all those and give them life. Mm. I, and I can't prove that with chapter and verse, yeah. but I hold that with an open hand that God God has a right to do what He wants to do, but He's just and He's right, and and I, I feel I feel He I believe He will yeah. be gracious with that, but I can't prove that. I just the nature and character of God, um, but 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 I'm coming at that issue, and we have to come at these issues with the meta narrative of the scriptures fully informing. Mm-hmm. Which puts us in this funky place that you can't pigeonhole us yeah. and be caricatured. Yeah. Uh, but but that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Which is why the point this makes us nervous. Yeah. And once it gets out, so you one, once your view about something or 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 a group of issues, once that right. opinion's out there, it can't ever be taken back, mm-hmm. right? Particularly so, if you really believe it. Right. And, and so, so you can't if, walk it back if you really believe that's it because right. then you're not, it's just inauthentic. That's right. So if, if I do life with 10 people that right. I see on a regular basis in three different spheres of, of life, as a, as a football coach, as a you know, guy who works at, at a company and, and various at church, whatever. Right. Once, if, if I keep these things sort of in the dark, like right. they don't know exactly how I feel about this. Right. Then I don't have to deal with it. Right. Yeah. So you just keep no, no matter what comes up. Right. Because in our in the politically in charged politically charged environment we live in, it's going to come up. When I'm with the three people that I'm working with today, a customer is going to mention it 
if if I tell these guys how I feel about it, oh, then the fr- there's friction, right? Right. If I don't tell them, it can just go away. Right. And that way I don't have to deal with it. Right. So that's that's the, the other part of it. You know, once I once I tell you this is how I feel on these issues, I'm going to have to deal with it fairly regularly going forward. Now, if I'm the kind of person who hates conflict, avoid it at all costs. Right. I'm likely not going to ever tell you how I feel about politics. You don't talk about what politics, religion, and right. something else. There's three things. Right. But I'm never going to mention it to you. If I'm the kind of person who never never saw a fight I didn't like, I'm going to tell everybody how I feel about it. Right. Because, you know, I hope they say something to me. Right. You know, I, well, so... You know, okay, uh, I remember, is it Nancy Piercy? I'm, I should... This is totally a, a squirrel, chasing a squirrel, chasing a rabbit, but Entertaining Ourselves to Death, I think, is the name of the book. Uh, and it may not be Nancy Piercy. She wrote Total Truth. But there's a book called Entertaining Ourselves to Death. I read it a long time ago. But this idea that life begins to imitate art. Mm-hmm. Art, art oh, yeah. used to picture life, right? And, and, and there's this shift where now life begins to imitate mm-hmm. art. And when art becomes entertainment, entertainment then begins to dictate what life looks mm-hmm. like. And I think... Th- that the tenor of the discussion begins to look like what we watch the most, and mm-hmm. that's what we see. I can't think of a single news program that isn't ratcheted up because it's fun to watch people fight. Yeah, and 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 then we go and we mimic that, and we think, oh well, that's good and right. And, and I don't know that there's anything good and right about what is put in front of us, modeling mm-hmm. how to have any type of discussion. Yeah. Yeah, it it is very it's very contentious, and as believers, it it shouldn't really surprise us that we don't see on a television a great model for how to have these conversations. Right. Um, but there is a sense in which, we, because our country was sort of built on certain foundations that were good and solid and true, and there yeah. there was a, I was sort of giving my my kids the civ trying to give my kids the civics lesson. The difference between the House of Representatives and the Senate. The Senate is supposed to be a body that has, it's just more civilized, right? Right. It's just, it's where you, it's it's just completely, it's supposed to be completely out of form to not treat one another civilized in the, in the Senate. Right. Um, senators are supposed to sort of be this nobility kind of class. Right. And it's just, it's been lost. Completely lost. Completely lost. Right. And so you, you don't you don't see the House of Representatives where they're just duking it out over right. on behalf of legislation, where the senators are going, no, nope, Mr. Senator, Miss Senator, right. please, this this form that's um, um, etiquette that's yeah. supposed to happen, completely tossed out the window. Right. Right? And um, That's right. And so what we see is, and what our children see, is just warfare. Right. Always. And, and, and perhaps that's been the tenor from the founding of our government forward. I mean, have yeah. you seen Hamilton? Have you seen that? I haven't seen Hamilton. It's fantastic. Yeah. It is so good. It's yeah. worth... Disney Plus is worth having just to watch <laughs> Hamilton. Um, but 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 the even the uh, the culture of dueling. Right. You know, you don't agree, you dishonor me, let's go shoot one another. Mm-hmm. Let's see who wins. Yeah. And, and so there's been a sense in which even the pursuit of liberty has... It was considered more honorable to duel yeah. than to do something else. I'm trying to figure my boys joke. We need to bring that back, and I'm going. That sounds really manly until you're the guy who gets shot. <laughs> That's right. right? Yeah. So your kid's the one in the duel, and you're going, okay, let's think, rethink this. Yeah, right. yeah. Let, let's do that over, right? So, but maybe it's been birthed into our sense of independence that that we are we just don't honor 
authority and we don't honor one another. I, I don't know. I, yeah. Because I, I think through the tenor of our discussions, and we were even talking last night between innings, we were watching baseball, right. we were having political discussions, that uh, my oldest who'll be voting in this presidential election this year. Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. And he's pretty opinionated. Um, and, and he and I don't always agree, but we were, he was saying this is nothing like this in the history of our country. And I was going, well, we kind of had the Civil War. <laughs> we had some pretty significant things. War of 1812. There's some pretty significant events in the life of our history, or in the mm-hmm. life of our country. Um, and, and I don't know that we've always handled them well. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, you go back. You go back to the early debates and some of the things that were said. Right. <laughs> those guys said about each other were awful. You know, <laughs> they were pretty bad. Yeah, um, that the equivalent part, of your mama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. oh my god, that goodness. part's been has always been there. Um, but it, it is there is a sense in which, um, you know, when you watch senators doing that, it's yeah. like okay, this this feels a little different. But you, but you're right. It always feels worse uh, to me because we lived during this time, but. Goodness gracious, things have things yeah. have been crazy plenty of times before us. Yeah. But it, it, get, it goes back to this notion, though, that you and I had talked about earlier on. Where do we get our basic basic beliefs? Where is our worldview? And these notions of we'll we'll talk about this a lot probably going forward if we're going to deal with the political debate. But these issues of conscience, the difference between issues of conscience and issues of you know that are just straight out right and wrong. And how do you define? Like how do you wrestle with? Um, this is man. This is just a matter of conscience, but this is a matter of, of right and wrong. It's it's a it's a first tier issue, right? And um, if you look at if you look at theology, theology, you know, it begins with the Bible. It begins with its inerrancy. It begins with how you read it properly. Then it goes up to you know things like um, you know biblical theology, where you're making sure you see the big picture. And then you've got uh, um, um, systematic theology where you're looking at every single issue and what does the Bible say about it? And then finally you get to the top, though, and it's practical theology. Yeah. At the very top, all that doesn't matter if you can't find a way to live it out. Right. And so all these issues, all these political issues are extremely practical, and they do matter. They do. And they're, and they're But they're informed by this rich worldview that's coming up underneath it, informing it. Yeah. And there's only one way... There's only one way to get there again, and it, it's it's doing the hard work to say, when I'm talking to Mitch Jolly about immigration or health care or abortion or marriage or you know economic policy, can I give you my biblical foundation for why I think that's the right thing to do? Right. The answer that's my only ask. Yeah. And if I get into this conversation with somebody, my only ask, if I'm speaking to a believer, my only ask is going to be, all right, that's an interesting viewpoint. Why? Give me your biblical basis for believing that. Right. That's all I ask. And, um, and what, what's uncomfortable for me and what makes me anxious in these conversations is it's often there is no biblical basis right. other than, well, it's just the right thing to do kind of thing. Right. Um, or it's a completely flat out misunderstanding of a biblical story. Right, right. And, and both of those are bad. Both of them are bad, and, yeah. And, and that first one is usually the product of not going down to the footnotes. That's right. Looking for primary sources. You look at even even people who want to be nerdy enough to watch like uh, MSNBC or some of the others that just show the debates mm-hmm. or the speeches on the Senate floor. That's skewed. They're trying to convince people right. to vote. So, so it's not just facts. It's 
spun yeah. facts, right? And and then and then and then the other is just a misinformation of the doctrine of yeah. God. Yeah. And, and and you're left in a funky place. Yeah. A completely funky place. So have you done two? I've done two. We've been. Just, I've got. I've gotten through two. I feel like I'm. Yeah, I've two. gotten through three. So okay. mine were. Um, the, the consequences are huge. That's why there's some anxiety associated with it. Right. Two. There's a lack of. Un, there's a lack of reliable data. Right. It's hard to get to what's true. Right. So I, I'm afraid that. You know, being the biased person I am, I'm afraid you've got bad information. <laughs> right. Right. I, I've got all the right information. Did you look at but, the footnotes? Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> but I also know if I'm being honest with myself, I don't even have all the right information. And then right. the third one was the, the, the first one I mentioned, which is just the fear that you're going to characterize me. Right. Right. That you're going to say that, well, oh, God, I'm going to write him off immediately because he's that guy. Right. And not listen. There's not no listen. validity right. in what they want to say at all. Right. All right. So that's your three. I, I said, uh, I. I don't fit neatly into a party. Mm. Um, my Christian worldview uh, really definitely marginalizes me because I, I feel like it's robust. And, and trying to be truthful about that, that it's not as robust as it should be. Mm-hmm. I'm growing in that, but it's so there. I can't not see it through right. the lens of Scripture, which puts me in no easy parties. <laughs> have very few friends right. in regard to that. And then my third one um, is that I... I'm very opinionated that most polarized positions are just um, rhetoric that comes from practical atheism mm. disguised as another viable worldview. Right. Um, because because all I see is a pragmatic tool to get to some end that's short-sighted. Are you talking about believers who have this position or just general people? General people. Okay, I think so Christians got, are in that. Yeah, I sure. think non-Christians are in that. I think I think Jews are in that. I think Muslims are in that. I think Hindus are in that. That that their their position and, and for those who are theistic, who are faith based, I think they disguise that practical position in theistic language mm. to make it sound like that's God's perspective. Right. And and so it, it comes back to sort of a, a nervousness about pointing that out because when you because what that boils down to it's idolatry. When you start poking idols, idols are demonic entities that don't like to be poked. Right? Yeah, they're real. They're issues, real, yeah. and it, and then it, it leads to it leads to spiritual warfare that I frankly don't enjoy. Yeah. And so there's there's I guess that's a verbose way to say I like to run away from spiritual conflict if I can. Mm. And this is spiritually saturated because there's no there's one government and it's Jesus kingdom right. and everything else is going to crumble and fall. So Satan's aim seems to be to keep his kingdom on its last throws as long as he can. Right. And so anything that comes against that, he's going to hit back hard at. Mm. And that's just dark. Yeah. And I just prefer not to have that battle. Yeah, it's the same question. Why don't we share our faith more? Well, because... It's a lot of these same reasons that, you know, I don't want to deal with the conflict. Right. I'm afraid they're going to think I'm crazy. They're not going to listen to what I have to say. Or, um, yeah, it's going to stir up a spiritual battle that was just nice and left alone, you know? <laughs> right. There are there are real entities out there that are watching this thing happen, and they, they've got an agenda. Absolutely. And when we start picking fights, they're more than willing 
That's to right. jump in there and get involved. That's right. I think Micaiah uh, is one of my favorite stories uh, in, in Scripture. I absolutely adore Micaiah the prophet because he comes, Second uh, Chronicles 22, and I think it's First Kings 18. You find his story when Ahab wants to go in league with Jehoshaphat mm. and take back a city that's theirs. It's theirs by right. Right, so it belongs to them. And Hezekiah is trying to build some league with. I mean, they're one people. Yeah. Right, so they're a long way past Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and uh, and they're trying to build some type of league, probably politically, because they got this great northern problem mm-hmm. that's coming down on them. And uh, Hezekiah is discerning enough to ask Ahab, "Well, hey." I mean, all these guys seem to be telling you what they want you to hear. You got anybody that'll speak the word of the Lord? He's like, look at this one guy, but he never says anything good. (laughs) (laughs) And so they say, call for Micaiah. And on his way, they say, hey, everybody's saying this one thing. Just go with it, man. And so they ask him, and he's like, yeah, go up and take the city. And the one king, (laughs) Ahab, asks, did I not tell you, only tell me the truth? I'm like, why are you asking yeah, him that? He right. told you what you wanted uh-huh. to hear. And then Micaiah's like, here's the word of the Lord. All of Israel's armies will be scattered. Mm. And he's God's put a lying spirit in these prophets to tell you a lie. <laughs> and and they start smacking Micaiah, hitting him in the mouth because, you know, abusing him because he's telling the truth. Hezekiah recognizes it's the truth. And then fool goes into battle, the only one dressed like a king. And they have disguises. (laughs) But but here's the crazy thing. God and his providence isn't going to let it stand because it it tells us one of my favorite stories because an archer drew his bow at random. Yeah. And that arrow found Ahab. Which means it wasn't random, right? <laughs> That's right, which means it wasn't random. Yeah. And here's Hezekiah, who's who's dressed like a king, and he makes it out. And so that, that story always reminds me that there is no practical agenda that can trump, and I'd say, I don't say that mm-hmm. like the yep. president, I mean that can lay over the sovereign purposes of God. Yes. And so I have to find my my position somehow rooted in the eternal purpose of God. Mm-hmm. That that regardless of how this turns out, I have to be on God's side. Mm-hmm. And I want to be like Micaiah. I, I don't want to be like these other false prophets who are just telling the king what he wanted to hear. Yeah. Or telling the people what they wanted to hear. I, I want because I got to stand before the Lord on the last day mm. and give an account yeah. for what I said and what I believed. And 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 that and that makes me very critical of a lot. I feel like I'm Micaiah often. Mm. I just go along because I don't want the fight. But then I find myself like Jeremiah. It's a fire in my bones, and I, I yeah. can't hold it in. I, right. I have to say it. And it's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, because I, it's like I said, I, I really do feel like the consequences are enormous. Yeah. You know, and particularly uh, they're, they're enormous and they're long-lasting, particularly yeah. with issues with the Supreme Court. Um, yeah. There's... The decisions that are made now or the next four years or the next eight years are going to, they're going to have long standing repercussions, yeah. things that we can't undo. That's right. Um, yeah. Not in, not as it pertains to the court anyway. Right. Um, so there, it's a big deal, man. There, there are things that really, really matter that's at stake. And so um, as believers. Well, how we view the court, how we view the purposes of the three branches mm-hmm. of government. Yeah. And, and I've even heard in our local political discussions, people running for judges, talking about legislating 
and making a difference legally as a judge. I'm like, that's not your job. And the crazy thing, it's come from the Christian who's running for office, making the statement that from that position, making a difference legally. And I'm like, that's not your role. Yeah. The role isn't to legislate law. That we we have yeah. we have we have a system. Yeah. And so it's like, do we even understand civics? Yeah. Ben Sass, I think he's pretty fantastic. The the <laughs> senator from uh, Nebraska, right? Yes. He's pretty fascinating. His his little speech yesterday was really good on just a civics lesson. eighth grade civics lesson. <laughs> yeah, and and you're going and. I, it feels as though an internal revolution to even take the, the intent of our government often is happening. Yeah. And I, I don't know, because I just think, I mean, we know these things. Why aren't they being upheld at mm-hmm. that level? Mm-hmm. And, and there are all manner of reasons for that. So we've got some more work to do, though, in the coming weeks. We're going to talk deeper. We're gonna, oh, we're gonna, Lord, yes. We're going we're gonna to dive into some stuff, have some fun with it. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. So say to you people who are listening, our, our listeners, we're grateful for you. Um, and I just want to issue an invitation to them. If you have a specific question that you want us to hammer down on, mm-hmm. please send it to us. Um, you can comment at... Uh, you can just send it to my regular email, Mitch at threeriversc.org, and I'll be glad to take it. And Keith and I'll bat it around and have a good time with it. We appreciate you guys listening. We're over a thousand downloads, and so that's kind of fun, and uh, in some pretty cool places around the world. And so I feel like we're listening to more overseas than we even <laughs> are in the states, which is wild. And so that also makes me want to do this well, mm-hmm. so that uh, when attaching the name Jesus to what we say. Uh, there's room for the gospel to work and, and the gospel not be hidden in anything. So, Keith, thanks for the time, man. It's been Enjoyed fun. Enjoyed it. See you, dude. Hey, thank you for listening to Theology in the Dirt. You can email us at theologyinthedirt at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you with some feedback and perhaps some questions if you'd like us to tackle. We'll see you next week. And until then, deuces.